1: Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The prophet Jonah walked into the city of Nineveh and pronounced a sentence of doom upon that city. In fact, it was just one sentence that he spoke. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be destroyed. Well, it wasn't because they repented and God had mercy upon the city. But is that the kind of ministry that God has given to the church today? Are we meant to walk into cities and proclaim pending doom? Are we meant to go up to leaders and uh, those that are in authority over us in a civil way and pronounce judgment unless the nation repents? That's the subject that we're going to be looking at today. This is Set Free with Ken Legg.
0: Hello and welcome to Set Free with Ken Legg. I'm Phil Edwards and this week we're looking at the subject of natural disasters and what do we make of them? Does God send them? If not, why does He allow them? Ken, yesterday you came out on the side that said uh, these aren't God's judgment on the communities have experienced natural disaster in recent times and your reason was that uh, the thinking fails four key tests. Yesterday we looked at the first of those that you called the common sense test, What's the next one? Well, God gives us a test which uh, I call the prophetic test. In Deuteronomy
1: 18, verse 22, he says, for example, when somebody does speak or profess to speak on his behalf after a disaster like this, this is what he said, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is a thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. In other words, um, is what this person saying coming to pass? If they're predicting certain things that are going to happen,
0: what is the outcome of those predictions? And we're meant to test those things. Can I throw a curly one in here too? Because doesn't the Bible say that they should be stoned if, they, <laughs> if the, uh, the, the prophecy doesn't come to pass? You cast the first one. <laughs> <laughs> How do those who tell us that these disasters are God's judgment do uh, in this test? How do they fare in this prophecy test? Well, actually, feel their track record is not
1: good. Um, I mean, often people can speak thus says the Lord in a very vague way, so there's no way that you can test yep. what they do say. And then, of course, when it comes to pass, they can say, well, that's what I was saying. <laughs> but uh, sometimes some of these prophets have come out with specifics. For example, um, in a recent election, the one that John Howard lost, one of those that is actually saying that these natural disasters are the judgment of God— also said that John Howard would win that election. And furthermore, he went on to say that um, he would hand the baton over to Peter Costello. In fact, this gentleman actually went to anoint Peter Costello as the future prime minister. Mm -hmm. Now, we've got the benefit of hindsight now and say none of those things have come to pass. John Howard lost the election. In fact, he lost his own seat uh, during that election. And, of course, Peter Costello is right out of the picture now. So on track record... Uh, we don't have too much to commend us to these
0: people that are professing to speak in God's name. What would you say to people who are saying you don't have any right to cast judgment over these people? You know, you're being too judgmental here, Ken. I would totally agree with them. I, in fact, that's exactly what I am being because Paul says
1: that. You know, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. In other words, we're instructed to judge prophecy. Um, otherwise, we'll just accept everything that comes our way. There, There are tests that we have to apply to see whether this is God speaking or whether it
0: is someone speaking presumptuously in his name. Okay, so you're saying here the second test is that we test any prophecy by whether it comes to pass or not.
1: Yeah, I think that's the case. Now, yesterday also, uh, Phil, you mentioned about uh, the kind of imagery that we have in the Old Testament where prophets would march into cities Mm -hmm. and proclaim judgment, both in Israel and even some were sent to other nations to warn of judgment that was looming over those cities and those, those nations. Now, what we've got to understand is that the prophetic paradigm under the new covenant is totally different to that under the old covenant. Remember, under the old covenant, Israel as a nation was in a covenant with God. And God said that as a nation, if they wandered from the law, then they would experience his judgment and his calamities and other nations would come against them and so on because they were a theocratic nation. Now, some people try to take some of these kind of um, arrangements between God and Israel as a nation and apply it to us Australia, for example, they say, uh, you know, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people, which I call by my name, will humble themselves, seek my face, then I will heal their land and so on. Now, that was a promise given to Israel under the arrangement that God had with them. He dealt with them nationally. Mm. But, of course, under the new covenant, God deals with us individually. We're born again and uh, baptized into the body of Christ and we have our own walk with God and our own relationship with God.
0: They're, these are key points. I can see people listening to this now, and the lights are coming on here because there's a key difference here. The old covenant, and this gets down to this new covenant, old covenant thing again, doesn't it? The old covenant was between God and Israel as a nation. The new covenant is between God the Father and Jesus the Son, and we are the beneficiaries of that covenant. And so it's about us as individuals in our relationship to God. It's not about us as a nation in our obligation to God to uphold our end of the deal, if, that, if that's the way to put it. Is that right? That's exactly right. And and uh, so
1: we need to understand that kind of arrangement that we have with God and that God has made. In fact, in that covenant that you spoke of, uh, God covenanted with his son, Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus did something that hadn't been done up until that point, which was to take the sin of the world upon him. Now, we know that the benefits of that only kick in, if I can use that term, when a person believes in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Mm. But the fact of the matter is that the judgment that was due because of sin came upon him. So in a sense, judgment is not pending in this age. I'm not talking about the age to come because, of course, there is a day of judgment that's coming for all those that finally reject Christ. But in this age, it's not a day of judgment. It's a day of salvation. Now is the day of grace, the day of salvation. And um, it's not judgment that's pending in this age. It's actually salvation for those that will receive
0: Christ. Yeah, that's great. And I think if, if we are going to focus on judgment, it's that judgment at the end of the age that we really should be concerned about because that's the one where we're going to have to uh, stand there and say, well, um, this is what I did or didn't do. Or, you know, uh, God is going to judge every single one of us. That's right. In the, in the In the age to come. But this is
1: the day of grace, and this is the day of salvation. So God's message is not going to all the world and warn people that if they don't repent, they'll have um, earthquakes and cyclones in this age visited upon their communities. No, his message to us is go to all the world and preach the gospel, that Mm, Jesus died in their place, the good news of the gospel, Mm. that he that believes will be saved from the judgment that is to come, not in this age, but in the age
0: to come, because now is a day of salvation, and now is a day of grace. Can we just unpack that a little bit, that good news that we should be preaching? Because I think this is important that you know, we often focus on, on the judgment. Yeah. But do we really understand the good news? What was it that Jesus actually meant when he said, go and preach the good news? Yeah, well, the good news is that um, he
1: has taken the wrath of God that was due to us. Uh, and so he that believes in Christ passes from death to life and will not come into the judgment. Now, the judgment, of course, is not in this age. The judgment is in the age to come, at the end of this age. So we are sent into the world to tell the whole world that he that believes in Jesus Christ and his death upon the cross as being a substitutionary death for us, they will be saved. But he that believes not is condemned already. Uh, They're just waiting the day when they do stand before God and receive their judgment. But it won't be in this age. Uh, And so we shouldn't go around trying to say that, you know, okay, this particular natural disaster was God's judgment upon that community. In fact, we looked at that um, reference uh, yesterday, Phil, in Luke's gospel when when people came to Jesus and they said, look, this tower fell on, um, uh, you know, these people. Is that because they were more sinful than anybody else? And Jesus said they weren't more sinful. I mean, sin is sin, <laughs> That's right. and it's going to do the. It's going to receive God's judgment unless you repent. So now's the day of salvation. Now's the time to repent, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So the church should be appealing to people: be reconciled to God, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved.
0: I hope this has been helpful. Join us tomorrow as we continue our look at coping with natural disasters. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free.
1: For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Lake and details about Ken's ministry, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.